All right, again, we're so glad to have you here this evening for our midweek Bible study. If you'll take your Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. During the uh, past couple of months, as uh, we've been looking at this psalm, this wonderful psalm, the Great Shepherd's Song, and as we mentioned in the beginning, in the introduction, that there is, uh, that uh, the psalms were sung and are still sung in some places. And um, in verse 1 of Psalm 23, and let me just uh, get there real quickly here. In this psalm, let me read the verse. I'm going to start at verse 1. And I'm reading from the authorized version, the King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And in the verse 1, we, we see, we learned uh, the great shepherd is personal to his sheep. And I hope that he is very personal to each of us here this evening. And then in verse 2, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. In verse 1 and 2, we saw that the great shepherd provides for his sheep. And there isn't a day that goes by that he hasn't provided for each of us. And then in verse 3, He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And in this verse, we learned that the great shepherd is pitiful to his sheep. And that meant simply that he is very compassionate towards us. And I'm glad that he is. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so in this verse, we learned that the great shepherd protects his sheep. And the very fact that we're here tonight proves that point. Amen? He protects us. He got us here safely this evening. And then in verse 5, we saw we, uh, last week, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. So in that verse, we learned uh, that the great shepherd prepares for his sheep. We learned of God's providence in his care for his sheep that he is our great provider. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And you know our great shepherd, he goes before us always in every situation, preparing the way in which he leads, guides, and provides for us. And not only did we learn about God's providence, but we also saw that he is our great physician. Our great physician. Thou anointest my head with oil. And make sure he gets a list and sheet, all right? We learned that oil in the Bible is a symbol or a type of the Holy Spirit of God. And that we need the daily anointed of God's gracious spirit upon our minds, upon our hearts, which produces joy, contentment, love, patience, gentleness, and peace. Would you agree we need all of those uh, attributes in our lives? Finally, we saw last week that, that he is our great plethora. I think I'm saying that correctly. I used to say ple- uh, uh, ple- ple- plethora or something. Pardon? It is plethora, isn't it? Ple- All right. He said, my cup runneth over. 
He is sufficient to meet all of our needs. And that's what that word means. It means of sufficient and abundance, more than needed. And this speaks of an abundant Christian life. So we now come to David's benediction as he closes this psalm. Speaking, remember, as a sheep, he now comes to the end of his personal testimony. Verse 6, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so we're going to see here that the great shepherd has a plan for his sheep. He has a plan for each and every one of us here this evening. And for everyone. And uh, what a wonderful plan he has. It's better than any plan we could ever dream of, Doug. It's better than any retirement plan you've ever seen or had. Or have, if you have one. And uh, you know why? Because it's a plan for eternal future. For our eternal future. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's stop for a moment and pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank You for this day and for the sunshine that we've enjoyed and the warmth and for Your protection. And thank You for Your provision and for Your plan for us. As we learn of this tonight, help us to be attentive. Lord, may our hearts be receptive to Your Word. We do thank You for everyone who's here tonight. And Lord, may the lesson make a difference in each of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, now and then, uh, we need to remind ourselves that we are pilgrims. We're just pilgrims here on this earth. And we're just passing through. And we should not drive our stakes too deep uh, because we'll be moving out soon. Maybe in the morning. Maybe this evening, Doug. Our attitude should be the same as the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, verse 13. They, it says, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And that's true of us here. Here are four truths that will help us finish our temporary stay on this earth. All right? First of all, we see the pilgrims' attendance. And this speaks of divine preservation. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. You know, as we travel life's road, we do not go alone because we have the abiding presence and preservation of God. Our shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, has given us two of his his ambassadors. And they are called goodness and mercy. Goodness takes care of our steps, and mercy takes care of our stumblings. Goodness takes care of our need, and mercy takes care of our failures. I want you to notice that this verse begins with the sheep's conclusion and absolute certainty. And notice it doesn't say, hopefully, goodness and mercy shall follow me. What does it say? Surely. Uh, It doesn't say hopefully, or maybe, or it's a possibility, or perhaps. It says surely, surely. 
they shall follow me. And you know, there's no doubt in David's mind. And why is he so sure? Well, for the same reason we should be sure. Because God is faithful and he's unchangeable. Amen? And he cannot lie. God's past grace guarantees his future goodness and his mercy. That great British preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon used to call goodness and mercy God's footman. In his day, when a wealthy man traveled, two footmen took their place behind him on the coach. And their task was to smooth the way for him. They were his servants, always doing their master's bidding. One author said, where he went, they went. And we're, we're always there for him. When his coach stopped, they jumped down to open the door for him. Uh, they would hurry into the inn to make sure that his room was ready and that his supper was served. God's two footmen follow us, uh, just like those footmen, to smooth our journey home. And that's the end of the quote there. That was John Phillips in his book, Exploring the Psalms. Another old British preacher said, there will never, quote, there will never come a day throughout all the future in which we shall not have the two guardian angels, heavenly escorts, and God sent messengers, goodness and mercy, who have been commissioned to attend the believer during all the days of his earthly pilgrimage. Isn't it good to know that? That's not the queen or the king, by the way. No. That's some royalty from another country. The king of Netherlands. All right. But um, here's, here's another quote. But here's something better than angel help. The personified attributes of God. His goodness. His mercy. That is himself. In all the tenderest manifestations of his love and pity toward men. Goodness to supply every want and mercy to forgive every sin. Goodness to provide and mercy to pardon. Isn't that good? How to make Presbyterian shout, amen. Good, all right. The next thing we're going to see in this matter of God having a plan for his sheep is that we see the pilgrim's acknowledgement. And this speaks of prospect, okay? David acknowledges that his future prospect looks pretty good. And you know what? So do ours. So does ours. Notice he doesn't say some days uh, or a few days or, or most days. But notice what he says. All the days of my life. Some Christians only see the goodness of God on sunny, pleasant days. Hmm. When things are bright and the path is smooth. Isn't that true? It is true that David had some tough days though. And we saw some of those in this lesson. But he was still able to say in Psalm 27 verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He knew and he was expecting that Jehovah's goodness and mercy are attending him 
all the days of his life. By the way, notice that God's goodness and mercy is for, what does it say? What's, What's it for? God's grace and mercy? All the days of my life. All right? You know why he said that? Because in heaven, we won't need God's attendance. We won't need goodness and grace there. You know why? Brother Mike, because we'll have him himself. We'll have and be with the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. And it doesn't get any better than that. The next thing we see, of course, God's mercy shall follow me all the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This is the best picture I could find with angels. Remember Spurgeon said, one called goodness and one called mercy. Now, I don't, has anybody here ever seen an angel? Besides me? An angel. Yeah. March the 19th, 1972. Yes. Back in uh, October of 1966 when we first met. Yeah, I saw my wife. She was an angel. Still is. Still is. All right. Question. No questions. No, okay, Mike, go ahead. Do angels have wings or do cherubims have wings? I think they both have wings. I personally think that. Why would the angel need wings to fly? They defy gravity. You know, I don't know. We'll ask Pastor that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Brother Jerry. Yeah, do angels have wings? Oh, we're going to ask. We're going to ask. Someone else. Okay. The Pilgrim's Acknowledgement. And um, let's see here. Where, where was I? Yes, he knew and expected that Jehovah's goodness and mercy are attending him all the days of his life uh, here while we are on earth. Because in heaven we'll have him himself. And, and the next thing we see in this matter of his plan for a sheep is we see the Pilgrim's Anticipation. And this anticipation is speaking about paradise. All right? And I, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, in life, uh, David was anticipating God's goodness and mercy. And in death, he's anticipating to dwell in the Lord's house forever. David is thinking of where he is going to dwell and with whom he is going to dwell. And you know, just as the sheep were content to go home with their shepherd in the evening, so David knew that one day he would be content to go home to his shepherd's house in paradise and to stay with him forever. And likewise, you and I will go to our eternal home in heaven where Jesus, that Jesus is preparing uh, for us. You know, Jesus said in John 14 and verse 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now, your translation may say something else. Alright? Some translations say rooms. I personally believe there'll be more than just rooms. I believe the Lord is preparing mansions for us, Brother Jerry. And that word mansions, it means dwellings. It means abiding places. And I guess it could be rooms also, but they're going to not be just some little old room, a little old shack somewhere. There's a hymn somewhere that talks about, you know, 
You mean, what was that old song of talking about a shack in heaven or somewhere? No, no, we're going to have a mansion. And I don't know how all that's going to work out, but I know one thing. We're going to be content with whatever God has prepared for us. Amen? And uh, he said, In my Father's house are many mansions, dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. One of these days, folks, we're going home to be with Jesus. If you know Him tonight as your personal Lord and Savior, have you, have you ever taken a trip? Thinking about taking the trips. Kimber, just, she's just taking a big trip here. And uh, going home next week. Certainly we'll be praying for your safety. And if it's the Lord's will that He bring you here, that'd be great. But you know what? Have you got family back there where you're going? Mm-hmm. Have you ever taken a trip and you just couldn't wait until you got home? Yes? We've all been there, haven't we? You know why? Because home is a very special place. Years ago when we were on deputation, <laughs> raising support to go to England. By the way, uh, the fellow with the arms crossed, you know who that is. I don't need to tell you. Yeah, and he has hair. Lots of it, you notice? Yeah. That's personal. Yeah, that, lots of hair. And, and I got in there, and back then I had my fair share also. But when we first began deputation, raising support to go to England, minister to the military communities and their families, we, uh, we were sent out of a church in, Green, uh, in, in uh, Reedsville, North Carolina just above Greensboro. And that was our home, Brother Jeff. That little 24-foot Shasta trailer. One, two, three, four, five. And Michael wasn't born. Michael wasn't born yet, all right? And that little trailer was our home for two and a half years. As we traveled across the country, up and down the country, going to churches, presenting our ministry of reaching military people, and, you know, we were traveling, we would, uh, I took a big atlas and I sectioned it off and um, we would, uh, some, some missionaries, and we've all, I've always tried to encourage new missionaries, just getting started, uh, don't do what some missionaries do. They may book a meeting in California one week and the next week, Brother Jerry, they've got another meeting in New York. Don't do, that's not very smart. And so we would... If we were in North Carolina, we would travel all over North Carolina. And then Jordan, you know, we, we try to uh, work, uh, plan our, 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 our routes and, uh, and, and try not to travel so far. But I said I'd like to say this. Uh, whenever, about every, we would be gone for about three months. And then we would come back to our home church and uh, we would cross through, uh, if we were down in Georgia, and then we'd come through South Carolina. And then finally we would cross the border into North Carolina. And, and, and our children, they, we had this thing. Who was going to be the first person back in North Carolina? Well, of course, I had the advantage, didn't I? I mean, my, the accelerator's way up here. But they would be in the back, and that was before the days of 
required seatbelt. And so all of them would try to reach out front to see who was going to be the first. You remember that, son? <laughs> who was going to be the first to be back in North Carolina? They were excited about getting back to our home church. And you know, when we get home, what an exciting time it's going to be. Amen? Now, we don't know, and Pastor says every week, you know, we don't know what's going to happen this week. We don't know who will be here the next time we meet. Some of us may cross that threshold before others. God's plan for His sheep. Also, we see here the pilgrim's assurance. And this speaks of permanence. Do you see David's assurance when you read that? He did not say, I may, or I hope, or perhaps, but I will. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you know what, folks? That's permanent, isn't it? That's permanent. Can you say that? Do you have that assurance personally? We're saying that to him, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. One day our life on this earth will be over and eternity will begin. And if you want to dwell in the land for, with, with the Lord forever, uh, you're going to have to dwell with him now. Listen to me. We need to dwell with the Lord now and not wait for the better by and by until we get to heaven. At the moment of salvation, He comes to live with us and in us. And you know what? We then begin our presence his, in His presence. We are in His presence for all eternity. Beginning now, Brother Jerry. We don't have to wait till we get there. Our eternity has begun. The moment of salvation, He comes to live with us. We are in His presence for all eternity. And here's a wonderful truth. We can have heaven before we get to heaven. You say, Brother Escalera, didn't you hear all the prayer requests and all the accidents that are happening in this earth? Yes. This place certainly is not heaven. But we have heaven right now because we have Jesus who dwells in us. Earlier we sang that song, Blessed Assurance. And again, that's my favorite hymn. And, and, and the note, you notice that the first stanza said this, Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. We have a foretaste. Now, that word foretaste means a slight and impartial experience. And, a, and, and partial experience. Knowledge or taste of something to come in the future. Anticipation. Are you anticipating your eternal home? Can you say as the Apostle John said at the end of Revelation, one of these days we're going to get there, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come. In this psalm, we have seen that the Great Shepherd has provided rest and refreshment, restoration and guidance. Courage and comfort. Protection and provision for His sheep. And now, 
The sheep knows that he, the Lord Jesus, is shepherd. Will not take him home. Take him to his final home. Have you ever wondered what heaven will be like? You ever wonder about it? Ever thought about it? I'm sure when we get there we'll find out if angels have wings or not. But you know we can't begin to even imagine what heaven is going to be like. The Apostle Paul put it like this in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, and neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Brother Gabe, we cannot begin to imagine what heaven's going to be like. I know one thing. Jesus is going to be there. Ask a question. Yes, sir. Comment. Yes, sir. I'll change it to comment. So, um, I, I think I was in discussion with somebody not even a week ago we were talking about heaven. It was out. Anyway, we were discussing it. And we were in such a finite mind in our current state that we just can't fathom it. It's impossible to. In our mind, we can only be told what is going to happen such as described by Paul. Mm-hmm. We know what's going to happen, but we still can't feel it or fathom it in this being because we are in a finite state. It's like there's no time in heaven. Mm-hmm. But when you try and when you preach it, sometimes you get those in the lost world. They'll use that as a reason. That sounds boring if you're always going to be there just worshiping and singing to God. And plucking on your heart. And, yeah. But... When you talk about the Old Testament, the angels are with joy singing to God mm-hmm. all the time. Yes. And that's the question. And Paul talks about joy a lot. Yeah. The joy that you feel. And I think that's the closest on earth that you can come to it is when you read salvation. Mm-hmm. And that burden of sin is taken away. Yes. The joy is to know that you are no longer guilty. Yes. Because of Christ. And that joy helps you perpetuate looking forward yeah. to. Yeah. I think that's the closest you can get to you probably what having this life yes. is that, that joy. I don't think anybody, if you're lost, you don't experience it. No, sir. So no. That's a good and thought, Mike. I think that's the best description. Yeah. You recall that the Apostle Paul said that he was taken up to the third heaven, I believe. Yes. And I believe he actually went there. But he was forbidden to tell us what he saw. Do you recall that? And so we really don't know what it's going to be like, what we're going to be doing. I don't think we're going to be, as I said, plucking our hearts up there for all eternity. We're going to be serving our Savior and worshiping Him for all eternity. I don't know if you've ever heard this song. It's called Finally Home. And this song was sung at our our son's funeral. And it says, that When surrounded by the blackness of the darkest night... Oh, how lonely death can be. At the end of this long tunnel is a shining light, for death is swallowed up in victory. And the chorus goes, But just think of stepping on shore. And and finding it heaven. Of touching a hand. And finding it God's of breathing new air and finding it celestial.
of waking up in glory and finding it home. It's going to be home, Brother Jeff. Psalm 23 begins and it ends with God. David begins with God in time. The Lord, Jehovah, the eternal self-existing or eternal existing one is my shepherd. And then he ends with God in eternity. With the Lord forever. Fanny Crosby, we sing many of her hymns. She wrote the hymn, Saved by Grace, in anticipation of seeing her Savior's face and praising Him for His redeeming grace. And this is what, was, what she was looking forward to heaven. The hymn says, Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing. But oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the King. And I shall see Him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. It's all of grace, isn't it? It's all of Jesus. It's nothing plus or minus but Jesus alone. Isn't that what that says? Only Christ. Only Jesus. In this final verse... We need to remember that David is now an old man and he is thinking of his future life with God. He has seen Jehovah's faithfulness and he has seen his love all of his life and he knew that he would enjoy full communion with his shepherd through all eternity. In closing, can I ask you a question? Where will you spend eternity when you die? Can you say with David, I know, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen and amen. I pray that God will add His blessings to this message. And If you uh, have not been here for the whole series, we do have all the series and lesson sheets already filled out. You're welcome to take, take them over here. But uh, I trust that this has been a help and encouragement uh, to you.